Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. This week, I have Allison Baker here with me. Allison has been um, pivotal to our first 100 episodes, but this is the first time, Allison, we've heard you on air. Yeah, this is my first time on this side of the, the mic. Great to have you with us. And I asked Allison to join me today because we're reflecting on the first 100 episodes of Big Mom Matters and thinking about what it's going to be like going forward, what changes we want to make in the next episodes and some plans we have in mind. So. Um, it's been a good 100 episodes. We've, I think, done some good things. As a two-person team, I think we've covered quite a bit given our limited resources. <laughs> yes, for sure. We've had some good people on. We've had the decision makers. We've had chiefs, uh, government officials. We had Fred Caron, the lead negotiator on the enrollment file on Mi'kmaq Matters. And um, we've had people from the community activists, environmentalists, so a good a good selection of people. And the things that people have heard on Mi'kmaq Matters, in most cases, they haven't heard anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So we feel, despite the any technical flaws and uh, imperfections, uh, we would like to uh, think that we've made a contribution to, uh, to the Mi'kmaq movement in Newfoundland and beyond. Allison, let's give uh, people some highlights of the first 100 episodes, obviously, one of our main areas of coverage has been enrollment, the court cases, and a number of times we've had uh, we've had Jamie Lickers, the lawyer for the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland, as a as a guest, and uh, most recently uh, we were in Ottawa for the Abbott case, uh, which uh, involves um, the 10,000 people losing their status and whether they should um, regain their status. Um, and here's uh, Jamie Lickers uh, talking about uh, Abbott on Mi'kmaq Matters. Now, tell us specifically what, what remedy you're seeking in the Abbott decision. If you were to win and the court were to say, yeah, we're giving you what you asked for, what would that be? So a number of things, as you can imagine, when lawyers draft what we call originating pleadings, when, whether it's a statement of claim or a notice of application, you include every remedy that that you think you could possibly want from the court. Um, But generally speaking, we're looking for a declaration that the directive, which was issued as part of the supplemental agreement, that it was improperly issued, that it was not a permitted change to the evidentiary requirements under Section 2.15 of the original agreement, Um, We've also asked the court to declare that that directive was issued on the basis of irrelevant or improper grounds, that it was for an improper purpose, and that the change to the evidentiary requirements to prove community acceptance um, are arbitrary and under-inclusive, which is similar to the argument that we made in in the Wells case, that the requirement of evidence from June 2008 or earlier was was arbitrary and under-inclusive. Another uh theme that emerged over the past couple of years is the relationship between local bands and the Halibut band. 
Uh, obviously, there were local bands uh, in existence long before Halibu was recognized as a First Nation band. And as people uh, feel disconnected from Halibu, especially people outside of Cornerbrook, thoughts go back to the way things used to be and reviving those local bands. Of course, Flat Bay has been the center of Mi'kmaq culture and heritage and politics on the west coast of Newfoundland. Flat Bay is very interesting because it doesn't have a town council. The Flat Bay Band is the only governing body in, in Flat Bay, in the community of Flat Bay. So it is in a unique situation in Newfoundland. And uh, we did, we talked to uh, the former chief, Liz Lasaga, about some thought about Flat Bay separating from Halibu. And it was a somewhat contentious episode. We had uh, the former chief of the Halibu band, Brendan Shepard, who was also a resident of Flat Bay, on, on the same episode. And this is what, uh, some of what Liz Lasaga had to say on that episode. It was a busy week for Chief Lazaga, and I caught up with her on Friday morning to get her reaction to the points raised by Brendan Shepard. First off, did she go through a community consultation before she made her public comments about the need for separation? No, we haven't had any community consultation. We started, um, the rumor came out last year when we said we were going to explore the idea. People certainly did ask us about it at the time, and we said that we would we would talk about it when we were ready to start exploring it if it was something that we wanted to explore. So what I'm basically saying this year is that now we're ready to explore it. So we're talking to the community, we're talking to the public, we're thinking, we're talking as we're thinking out loud. We haven't, uh, of course, stuck with uh, only Halibut-specific things. We've um, we've been covering covering the uh, the waterfront, as it were. And one of our guests has been Justin Brake, and now of APTN. But um, in the past, he was an independent journalist covering Muskrat Falls and the protest against the development up there, and efforts by land protectors to bring attention to what. Uh, impact the development would have on water in Labrador. And of course, uh, Justin Brake was charged criminally um, as uh, for his work as a journalist. It became a major issue for journalists and there was a recent court case in, in which he was, uh, in which the charges against him were, were dismissed because he was working as a, as a journalist. And uh, when this began, we talked to Justin Brake about the implications for journalists about these criminal charges. And when you were in there, were you, do you think you were conducting yourself as a, as a journalist? Because I guess what the authorities are saying, they're not distinguishing between you as a journalist and the, and the, the work that the land protectors were doing. So what was your, what was your self-identity during the days you were uh, you were present at the occupation, uh, my identity all along uh, has been as a journalist, and I don't think there is actually any dispute over that. I mean, the RCMP. I was communicating with the RCMP from the inside. They knew I was a journalist in the month leading up to that that I had been on the ground in Labrador, covering the protests. I had always identified myself as a journalist. Wore my press badge outside my jacket or my vest. Um, you know, I've been 
the editor of The Independent for going on five years now. I'm well known to Nalcor. I've interviewed them, I've maintained regular communication with them over the last number of years. Everybody knew I was a journalist. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, the, the decision has been made to uh, to criminalize me, to charge me with criminal offenses. Uh, and in Nalcor's case, to have me uh, named on an injunction that uh, meant that I would face a civil contempt charge. One of our... Uh guests on a number of episodes has been Halibut Chief Brendan Mitchell, uh, who was uh, re-elected last October to a second term, re-elected overwhelmingly. And um, we, uh, we had him as a guest on the end of the year uh, program after that uh, election. But since then, Glenn, uh, from what I understand, is the, the relationship between Mi'kmaq Matters and Brendan Mitchell has sort of dissolved in a way, or has come to a standstill. It is a difficult relationship. Uh, the chief um, has many as many strengths, um, and I don't know if in the past three very difficult years of Halibut Council dealing with enrollment, anyone could have handled the situation better than Brendan Mitchell. Uh, but uh, he doesn't like people who disagree with him, and for some reason um, he if you ask a question and he doesn't like the question, then you know you get uh, distance. So standard journalistic questions that one would think would result in in answers uh, don't don't get any answers. So it's uh, it's unfortunate that uh, there there can't be a, sort of a back and forth. Um, it seems that there's not very much possibility of there's not much space uh, for a discussion there. But you know we hope that the situation will improve. Um, obviously the chief is, you know, is doing what he can and, you know, we just want to have a, have a dialogue and I hope that will, uh, that will be possible. Uh, here's um, our discussion, I thought a very good discussion, uh, at the end of last year, our, our end of 2018 interview with Chief Brendan Mitchell. Glenn, you know, I'm a, one of these guys who forgets quickly, and it's, to me it's, about, it's time to move on. And I would encourage people who were involved in the election that people had, had you know, things to say, positive or negative, to keep involved in their communities, keep contributing. Don't just go away and we'll never hear from them anymore until the next election, because everybody has a role to play in our communities. And the best example I can think of is a cultural contribution that people can make. I mean, that's something that's ongoing despite any election or despite who is chief or, or council. So these people who were involved in the election and the naysayers who are out there, I can only suggest, you know, it's time to put Facebook away and get involved in your communities, contribute, volunteer, help out where you can, and try to be positive as much as you can in terms of moving forward. We have a lot of work to do and a lot of stuff that's going on for Halibu really has its origins in our communities. And the best example I can think of is culture. Halibu First Nation is here to support culture in every way, financially, being involved directly, participating, supporting what's going on in communities. But there's a, and, and you know, people are driving those initiatives in communities like Flat Bay and St. George's and Stephenville and Cornerbrook and Glenwood and Grand Falls and all these places. So it's the people in the community who are driving that. So I would encourage anyone who wants to stay connected or involved, get involved with cultural events in your community, be participative and be supportive. So um, we want to tell listeners about 
some changes that we're, we're making. And one thing that we noticed at the top is a change in our tagline. Uh, we've omitted the reference to the Halibut First Nation and made our tagline a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. And um, the land and water is uh, fitting for the climate emergency that we're in right now. Uh, the planet is in crisis and indigenous people, Mi'kmaq people, have a special role to play in protecting land and water, our environment. So um, we feel it's fitting to put that in the foreground. Absolutely. Uh, we will still cover Halibut Council and uh, what Halibut Council is doing and not doing. Um, that's captured by the, uh, the politics reference. We're not doing less of anything, we're actually doing more. Absolutely, we're covering, or hoping to cover more ground, uh, as opposed to what we were, we've been talking about before, um, which focused a lot on politics, um, on the Halibu Band, and um, we want to focus more on what's important to the Mi'kmaq people, which is that, including that, but also uh, environmental issues and, and the issues with the Mi'kmaq people themselves, not necessarily the band. Mm -hmm. In attending every, almost every council meeting over the last three years, what I've concluded is that the Halibut Band is a, is a part, and not necessarily the major part of the Mi'kmaq people and movement in Newfoundland. It is a, it is a band under the Indian Act, and like every other band, and no slight on people on Halibut Council, it is a bureaucracy, and in order to to move on things like environment, land and water, it needs a push from the people sometimes because they are in their reality of being a, uh, a band under the Indian Act and the federal rules and uh, it's just reality that the, sometimes the people have to push them. Absolutely. So there is a dynamic there that we want to capture going forward. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're very humble about uh, asking people for, for money. Uh, obviously, there are court cases going on now, and um, you know, there are still people raising money for those. And um, uh, you know, we realize that there are many uses for our money. Mm -hmm. But it is the fact that uh, local media is disappearing. Mm -hmm. uh, in Western Newfoundland, we've lost the daily newspaper, the Western Star, is now a weekly publication. Commercial radio on the west coast of Newfoundland has disappeared. It's mostly piped in from St. John's. So there, there's very little in the way of local media and local voices. So Mi'kmaq Matters is one of the, the few media voices there are in uh, Western Newfoundland and and looking at the Mi'kmaq scene in Atlantic Canada there aren't a lot of Mi'kmaq voices. I think Glenn it's also as we mentioned earlier in the podcast um, we are just a two-person team. Uh, a two-person team covering almost as much of the Newfoundland Mi'kmaq scene uh, as we can as well as the national issues that we have been dealing with um, for the past few years um, and Mi'kmaq Matters is, like you mentioned, one of the only, if not the only, regular media outlet covering specifically Mi'kmaq issues. Um, so it's all, everything that we've done has been money out of pocket, 
um, which we are very happy and feel very privileged to be able to do um, because we think it's a very important uh, topic to be covering. Um, but also, you know, it, it takes a toll in a way. And there's a limit to what we can do when it's just the two of us. Yes. Um, so we want to bring in our listeners in a, in a sort of active role um, where they could help us move forward and onto bigger projects and, and provide more material, more important information that they might not otherwise get because, again, we are one of the only, if not the only. And we offer our first 100 episodes as collateral for this, uh, for this loan from our listeners. Um, we made history by uh, live streaming from court, from, from the Federal Court of Canada, from the Newfoundland Supreme Court. We brought people live court cases that they wouldn't have, wouldn't have had access to otherwise. They were historic. Uh, developments in uh, for Mi'kmaq people in Newfoundland and beyond, and uh, it was self-financed. Um, so we want to do it more, and we want to do it better. And with people's support, we can we can do that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. People might have heard of uh, Patreon, uh, the hosting page for podcasts. And Allison, you are a connoisseur and a uh, some someone who's very. Um, uh, knowledgeable about podcast and you know the podcast scene and uh, perhaps you would tell listeners about what Patreon is and how it works. Absolutely so uh, I'm sure many people might have I have already heard of Patreon. Um, it's not just exclusive to podcasts it's any sort of creative industry, um, creative person uh, that's looking to finance their um, creative endeavors through patrons, so um, monthly subscribers or, or one-time gift givers who want to support the artist directly. Um, and I think it's a really great platform to uh, both engage with the audience and the audience to engage with the maker of their favorite podcasts, of their favorite you know, web series. Uh, you would be able to track the progress of your donation. Um, uh, and see what, for example, us with the podcast, what we would be using your money for directly. Patreon is a great way to support uh, your local uh, artists and your favorite artists that, you know, we don't necessarily get a lot of funding from governments or just generally in the workforce, mm -hmm. I guess. And uh, the way it works is that people pledge mm -hmm. and whatever the amount is, <clears throat> as we're fond of saying, uh, no amount is too small. Although mm -hmm. I think, uh, is there a, a minimum on Patreon that people can uh, pledge? The person uh, whose Patreon page it is sort of asks for, uh, sets a minimum, um, but it's really anything. Uh, like you said, nothing's too small. Whatever uh, the listener can afford is really um, appreciated. At Mi'kmaq Matters, we are only accountable to our listeners and in, in, in supporting independent journalism, independent indigenous media, you are helping us answer questions that you have been asking, the important questions that uh, should be answered by government officials uh, and any person in, in a position of power, um, which is the role of, of journalism as a whole, and it always has been. Having supporters, having financial supporters, gives us credibility. It, um, it, it, it helps us make those people accountable to Mi'kmaq people, people concerned about Mi'kmaq issues, 
And it also allows the listeners to keep us accountable. So, so when, we, when we receive their money, we have an obligation to you, the listener and the contributor, to do the best job we can on your behalf. So um, we are modest, uh, but uh, I think it's fair to say that um, you know, we are unique and um, one of the, uh, the few local voices. So um, mm -hmm. you know, we do humbly ask for your support. Uh, and in, in terms of what we would use the money for, obviously we want to make the production better. So we need, we need equipment, um, we want to do more filming in the field. Uh, we've been covering re natural resource development in Newfoundland. Wouldn't it be great to be able to go uh, look at the sites, film, show people uh, what there is uh, in terms of land to protect and look at the mistakes that have been made. Uh, Holbrook Mine comes to, comes to uh, I, I think of that in terms of things we're trying to avoid. So there's there's field work, uh, there's equipment. We want to have a better website. Uh, right now we have the Facebook page, we have the, um, the SoundCloud uh, platform, the Blogspot, but there's, uh, our content is very diffuse, so we want to uh, bring it together on a compelling website page, and that takes money to, uh, to build, of course. So, um, so Allison, um, thanks for your all you've done on the first uh, 100 episodes and uh, onward we go to Good. the next uh, 100. 100, yes. yeah. And thanks to the other people who've, uh, who've helped us along the way. Uh, we thank Marcus Goss for providing our visual identity over the last uh, three, three years, 100 episodes. We will have uh, a, new, uh, a new design uh, which we'll be unveiling in the next um, little while uh, so people can check that out. We want to thank our, our radio partners, Bay of Isles Radio, the Voice of Bombay, and uh, CHMR at uh, MUN. So, Allison, mm -hmm. onward. Onward, here we go. Yes, this is Glenn Wheeler with Allison Baker. Till next time.